Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Daniel Gallen. Hey, everyone, Penn State fans, it's Bob Flounders joined by Daniel Gallen. We're going to do yet another Blue White Breakdown podcast, Penn Live's Penn State football podcast. If any of you listen to Tuesdays with uh, myself and Dave Jones, I just want to personally say, hey, look, Dave might got a might have got a little sidetracked yesterday and forgot the mission statement, which was to kind of talk about Penn State football. We did the final two thirds of the show with some NFLers who did well in the playoffs, but I don't I don't know that all of you really wanted to hear about the Ohio State Minnesota men's basketball game from 1972. But you know what, Daniel? That is water under the bridge. My pledge is we are going to just talk about Penn. State football out of season. I got a couple of topics I want to get to with you, but I know you're such a busy guy, Daniel. How are you holding up covering Penn State football, Penn State recruiting, Penn State men's basketball? And I saw you've been dabbling in Penn State women's volleyball because I believe they just hired uh, a new leader to take over for the legendary Russ Rose. Excuse me. I hope I have that right. But you are one busy dude, man. Yeah, it's been a, a busy, busy couple of weeks. I mean, it's the uh, it's off season for football, but the rest yeah. of the Penn State athletics world uh, keeps turning. Um, it was very educational this morning while I was having breakfast to learn about that Ohio State Minnesota uh, basketball game. <laughs> What'd you have for breakfast? Uh, uh, just peanut butter and banana. Uh, I'm light a pe- breakfast, peanut butter uh, guy too. I'll, I'll circle back for uh, for a larger lunch. Uh, need to have a salad. Uh, it's okay. been been one of those weeks. Uh, but no, like you said, um, yesterday, Penn State women's volleyball uh, introduced just the third coach in that program's 46-year history, uh, yep. Katie Schumacher-Cawley. Uh, she played here, won the 1999 National Championship. Uh, she's been on the bench for the past four years as, as an assistant coach. She has previous head coaching experience at Illinois, Chicago, and Penn. Uh, and she said that she's she's not scared of uh, of the task of replacing Russ Rose. I mean, you know, it, the, the phrase people always use is big shoes to fill. And it's trying to follow in the footsteps of Joe Paterno, trying to follow in the footsteps of Russ Rose. At some point, somebody is going to try and follow in the footsteps of Kale Sanderson. I made sure I watched that demolition. Penn State just destroyed Michigan in wrestling. Uh, out in Ann Arbor on Friday. That was almost never a match. It was just fascinating to watch that team and just how he gets guys ready. They're always just, you know, laser focused in top condition. They don't make any mistakes. Close matches more often than that, they find a way to win. They w- they also upset a lot of really good kids. But to your point, it's it's tough to, to step into those shoes and somebody down the road is going to have to do that with Kale Sanderson. Good luck. Good luck to that person. Let's talk about Penn State football. One of the things I'm starting to starting to focus in on, you know, this, this 2022 recruiting class that James Franklin and his assistants have put together, 
it's starting to feel like with all the things that are happening after the signing with, you know, guys getting noticed with Nick Singleton being honored as uh, the national offensive player of the year with many people speaking up and saying, Drew Aller might be the best quarterback in the class. And now this week, Denise Dennis Sutton. Did I have that right? Deny. Jump! Sorry. <laughs> Deny Dennis Sutton. Um, now I think uh, on three or two, four, seven sports. Is it two, four, seven sports? Oh. One, one of them has elevated him to now a five-star uh, prospect. And I'm just looking at this class and, you know, they had a 2018 class with three perceived five stars that didn't work out. It was just Micah who, you know, might as well have been an eight star, but, you know, Justin Shorter, nope. Uh, Ricky Slade, nope. But this class, you know, with just the depth of it and some of the top end talent, even a kid like Caden Saunders, who's enrolled um, to be ready for spring practice, he looks like he's on the five star bubble. So I'm just wondering with all these accolades coming in after the official signing, this class has a chance to be super duper special if everyone is right about these kids. And I think it's just really interesting. It's coming at a critical time, I think, for Penn State coming off a seven, six season with so many needs, um, you know, losing six of eight. And a lot of these kids are enrolled early. And the trend, Daniel, is you look at the, t- the, the teams in the playoffs, they're standouts. A lot of their standouts are first or second year players. So you just wonder, you know, if, if everyone's right about this class, talk about hitting the ground running maybe in 2022. It could be Penn State, but uh, I, I just think this is, a, if you're a Penn State fan, to hear all these kids just kind of, it's almost like their Penn State was right on them, but not only were they right on them, everyone's just catching up to how right Penn State was on them. Yeah, uh, Denai Dennis Sutton uh, on Monday got his fifth star from on three, and then today, uh, he got his fifth star from 247 right before we started uh, recording. Uh, Rivals has had him as a five star for a very long time. I think that he kind of fits in in that kind of top 30 range. Um, I think that these outlets or these services try to do 32 five stars. Uh, that's kind of the okay. logic, a.k.a. 32 first round picks, guys who could be first round picks in the NFL. And so Denai Dennis Sutton, I think that he is number, I think, uh, number 27 but from 24-7 sports in that similar range by on three. And then Rivals, he is number 25. Um, he was number 11 when he committed over the summer, but he had kind of a, an interesting end uh, to his high school career. Didn't have a junior year at the McDonough School because of the pandemic. Got hurt early in his senior year and then I think came on really strong for the the postseason all-star uh, circuit. But yeah, I think that you look at overall with this class that between Drew Aller, Nick Singleton, and Denai Dennis Sutton, um, you have three top flight players. And then you look at Aller and Dennis Sutton specifically, you have top flight prospects at two of the most positions on the field. Um, obviously, we've talked about the quarterback ad nauseum, just how important that is. But if you can have a game changer at defensive end, a game changing pass rusher, um, you know, we've seen what these Alabama and Georgia defenses can do with who they have coming off the edge. Uh, it, it, it's really big and denied on a sudden, I think James Franklin mentioned him on signing day as one of the guys who didn't enroll early, but yeah. could be a contributor. And you know that he's coming from the McDonough school uh, outside of Baltimore and Maryland, uh, PJ Mustaford, Devon Ellis, uh, Curtis sure. Jacobs all went there. They play a, a tough schedule. They play some of the, I think they played LaSalle college uh, out of Philadelphia this year. So you denied on a sudden and, and Abdul Carter, another signee going at it. So He's going to be battle tested and 
I think that that's kind of uh, interesting for him to be able to come in and maybe work into that defensive end rotation. Uh, we've talked about kind of the the need there for people to step up. I think kind of your your larger point about the being able to identify um, these players and kind of be there for them. I think that with Dennis Sutton, I mean, he picked Penn State over Alabama and Georgia. Uh, people had been been on him for a really long time, but I think you look more at Aller and, Sing- and Singleton. I mean, it's a great job of identifying those guys, getting them in the fold, and then keeping them there. And now I'm no expert when it comes to these things, but when you compare it to the 2018 class, one thing that that stands out to me is kind of you know Drew Aller. I I don't know if calling him a late bloomer is necessarily the best. It seems like the physical tools were always there, or just kind of getting noticed. Um, but when you think about those guys in 2018. Parsons, Shorter, and Slade, all of those guys were, were day one five stars. I was working at the Washington Post in 2014 when Ricky Slade was a freshman, and we were having this meeting, and we were like, wait, this this freshman out in Hilton just scored seven touchdowns in a game. Like, Penn State's interested. Ohio State's interested. Um, Shorter was kind of similar, where he had that reputation very early. Uh, and then, obviously, with Parsons, you you knew what you were getting from when he was a sophomore. And so... I think that it kind of goes both ways where uh, in terms of development that maybe you want to focus in on these guys that are maybe hitting their physical peak, physical maturity when they're 18, 19, instead of when they're 16, 17. I still um, with Ricky Slade, I still scratch my head over, you know, there obviously there could have been a, a multitude, multitude of things that impacted his development and why, you know, things turned out the way that they did for, for him, but the highlight tape, just, just the, you know, what he did, what he did before he got to Penn state and, you know, backing up Miles Sanders as a true freshman in 2018, he did some really, really good things when they leaned on the running game and just to, I just, that's, that is, a you know, Justin Shorter was a New Jersey five-star and Penn state's history with, big wideouts from New Jersey is very hit or miss. They, they've had some good ones, but they've also had some guys that just, you know, he's at the top of the list, but, you know, Saeed Blacknall or Charles, they've just had Juwan Johnson, you know, he had the catch in the Iowa game. But after that, like, what are we really talking about? Then he does some great things at Oregon. That to me is a little bit easy, easier to explain, but man, you know, Ricky Slade, just, I just really, really would love to know one day. To me, that's that is a uh, where are they now when he's twenty eight years old? I know, and, and hopefully he's a success somewhere. I would love to just hear his thoughts on what kind of what transpired between you know two thousand eighteen and the present day, because I think there are a lot of people that thought he was going to be a super super player. Daniel, it just didn't work out. Let's before I get to one other thing, I wanted to talk to you about. Um, for some news here on the Blue White Breakdown podcast. This isn't really news, but I think Penn State fans, even I'm starting to wonder, is there any level of concern in your mind? Penn State just has not been very busy with regard to the transfer portal. Now they've lost, they've lost some players that I don't know how many of them qualify as, as huge, huge, oh boy, you know, Will Levis going to Kentucky or whatever. Uh, I don't know how many of them are huge, huge losses, but there just hasn't been an, a lot of an influx of talent yet. Everyone's spoiled by Arnold Ebiketti now because they're like, well, we should expect one or two of those players to come in every year. 
I'm talking about Penn State fans. We've done it once. Our coaching staff's got great contacts, yada, yada, yada. What's, what is the deal? But maybe, who knows? I'm sure Penn State has a plan. I'm sure they still have some targets. And maybe some kids are just going to wait a little while longer to make some decisions. But with that in mind, I was just wondering, is there any update on that Ivy League offensive lineman, Daniel? Have you heard anything about him maybe becoming closer to a decision? Because I know that I think Penn State was on his list. Yeah, that, that's Hunter Norzad, the all Ivy League right tackle from Cornell. Um, it seems like that he's just kind of going through the process. Um, I think the the schedule that was reported had him on campus last weekend. So we'll probably hear something on that front soon. Um, obviously, with these commitments, it can come at any time um, when you're when you're least expecting it. But yeah, I there were a couple questions in the in my mailbag this week about the transfer portal and I think that James Franklin has made it very clear that his kind of philosophy about it is that he's going to be very deliberate. Um, They're going to make the right decision. The fit obviously goes beyond what's on the field. He's also made some comments uh, in terms of how quickly some of these kids come to their decisions uh, on, on where they're going to go um, and where that falls into some of the, the rules and regulations around the transfer portal it's the type of thing that I wouldn't worry about it too much because you look at kind of the, the ratio of guys yeah. that, that you bring in, how many of them are actually going to be hits? Um, what is Penn state actually looking for? Um, obviously you want to build through your recruiting class and you want to use the portal to kind of plug some holes here and there. I mean, you don't want to build through the portal because you know, you don't necessarily get the same amount of time. Um, with these players the continuity isn't quite there I mean I am surprised that given the success that Penn State had last year where you had a star in Evichetti you had two season-long starters in Derek Tangelo and Eric Wilson Um, you got Johnny Dixon who I think we're going to see a lot more of this year Um, and then you had a miss in John Lovett Um, and then AJ Litton he was fine you got one year he was a great special teams player He's moving on. Um, So I think that you look at that and you have to take a lot of swings to get someone like Ebiketti. And I think that sometimes the way the roster works out is you don't necessarily have the space to take that many swings. It's also a thing where this is brand new. So we're going to see over the next couple of years how this works out for, for people, you know, whether bringing in 12 transfers is something that actually works. You know, maybe Penn State could be a little bit more aggressive, but I don't like someone asked me, characterized it as James Franklin being asleep at the wheel. And yeah. I think that's the the last way I would describe him uh, in any regard of his program. I think that they are committing to a philosophy and we're going to see kind of how that shakes out. The other last word that I'll give on it is that at the end of spring practice, there's going to be a whole nother round yes. of transfer portal entrance. And then there will be a whole nother crop of guys. So, okay, they didn't really do... They got Mitchell Tinsley, who I think could be a pretty big addition. They got him the only one between the end of the season and now. But when we get to March, April, May, you know, maybe then there's five guys that come in. So we'll see. It's just kind of one of those things where, like, part of me is just like, just just relax. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when and you talk about with James, he's talked about, you know, you balance need with fit. And he's talked about that, especially in the transfer portal. I think that last year, 
Ebiketti was a great, he, it was a need. They were replacing two huge, hugely talented defensive ends. And he was an older player uh, who the, uh, they had known a little bit about. And I think there were some relationships there and he turned out to just be a great fit. And I think another, the Ivy league offensive lineman. So if you talk about need and fit with Penn state looking for, you know, legitimately looking for three starters on the offensive line, I don't think, you know, once you get past Juice Scruggs uh, and Caden Wallace, I don't think anything's promised to any of the other guys, even though you and I probably have a pretty good idea who they liked coming out of the year. But if you want to talk about need and fit, an Ivy League offensive lineman who's experienced coming to this program, um, if he's if he's going to make the jump, that that to me seems like a no brainer, too. I don't know how good he is, but he sounds like he has been very, very good at that level. And they definitely need some players to fill that out so hopefully he'll make his decision sooner rather than later and i do think if they get him he'll definitely be a player immediately uh to watch given their needs this is the blue white breakdown welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary whether you're a long-time patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant Cureleaf of pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. I've been doing this series on young players to watch this offseason. Spoiler alert, there's going to be a lot more. So I think it's 2022. So I think I've had like 22 names in mind and I'm only about a third of the way through. But I just wanted to throw a couple of names at you because what interests me and what interests you is not necessarily the same. So a couple of the players that I've mentioned already, why don't you pick one or two of them and maybe speak on maybe what they might intrigue you a little bit more than other guys on the list. So I had Olu Fashanu, the offensive tackle, Jalen Reed, the safety. For Thursday's paper, I'm going to write about another offensive lineman, Landon Tengwall. The other quarterback that's in the class, Bo Prabula, Malik Mega. Um, I think everyone's got him on some kind of list to watch. So I don't know how much, how surprising that is. But Kobe King, the the twin brother of Kalen. And then Zariah Fisher, a defensive end that I think that, you know, after Smith Vilbert had his big game in the Outback Bowl and Adisa Isaac's coming back, Nick Tarburton started to do some things in the final month of the season. I don't know if I don't know how how excited people are maybe about Zariah Fisher. So those are some of the names that I've talked about and written about on that list. Daniel, is there one or two guys that kind of fascinate you as maybe a guy you're really going to be looking at not only in spring but in August? Yeah, I think that Kobe King definitely stands out to me given the the turnover that's happening at that linebacker position and um, and when you think about it, that position this year they got full seasons out of yeah. Brandon Smith. Curtis Jacobs, Ellsbrooks. Um, Ellsbrooks obviously missed a half against Ball State because of his targeting penalty. But then you had Jesse Lucata who could who could slide back there. I mean, that's a position where those guys take a beating. We saw Ellsbrooks play half the season with a cast on, um, so he wasn't at a hundred percent. And I think that Penn State was pretty fortunate that they made it through um, without any major injuries there because the the depth right behind them. I mean, Charlie Catchier. Uh, Tyler Elsden, and then the two freshmen, Budden and King. I mean, that's kind of a, that's a bit of a, a drop-off. 
Uh, I think that Kobe King is really interesting because you have to replace Brandon Smith and Ellis Brooks. Uh, obviously, Curtis Jacobs is in line. I've been beating that drum for a while. He's in for... Okay, he deserves it. He deserves it. Big, big responsibility. Um, and I think that Kobe King kind of also factors in like how he's used in his development also factors into kind of the any philosophical switches in the defense under Manny Diaz. We know that Brent Bry loved to play three linebackers and that third linebacker was often essentially a, a nickel corner um, yeah. or like a third safety in certain alignments. So is Manny Diaz going to play more just true nickel? Is he going to stick with those, those three linebackers? I know that he's a base four, three guy, but um, the number of wide receivers and kind of the, the spread systems, you don't necessarily see uh, a Brent Pry defense in modern football at any level, really. So I think Kobe King is really interesting from that perspective. Depending on what Penn State decides to do with Jonathan Sutherland, he was pretty much just a linebacker, I think, in the Outback Bowl. You know, he's maybe not the most nimble of safeties. He's a really valuable team leader, special teams player. Do they decide to keep him at safety? Do they just have him a hybrid like they did with Lucetta? But they're going to decide where they want to play him as primary, the, the majority of the snaps. Now, the, the, the solution could be he's just going to be one of those guys that he's a safety linebacker. He will start him, but we don't really have to designate whether he's a linebacker or safety because he could do a little bit of both. But I just wonder if the idea is to get your most athletic defense on the field, if there aren't some other players when you talk about, you know, the corner room with Kalen King, Joey Porter Jr., Daquan Hardy, those are three pretty athletic corners. You look at safety, obviously, with Dair Brown, but another guy, Jalen Reed, to me, is a guy that I think if he takes a step forward, he's going to be very tough to keep off the field because I know they like Keaton Ellis as well. So I just don't know, Daniel, about Jonathan Sutherland and maybe what his role is. He's such a good teammate. I think he would accept pretty much any role thrown his way. But I think this defense, Manny, Manny has some very interesting parts. If he can get some defensive linemen going that we're not really expecting. I mean, if, if, if Smith-Vilbert can take the next step. But I, I do think with you, when you talk about the linebackers, when you talk about the idea of starting three linebackers against a Big Ten offense, once you get past Curtis Jacobs, you know, who are the best fits for – 60 snap duty or 50 snap duty. And it could very well be look at, looking at somebody like Kobe King. He might just be ready to make the jump. Nothing against Charlie Catcher, but he's an older player. He's been around a little bit. And, and I, I just don't know about Elsden. I think he's in his third year now. Um, are those guys ready for every down rolls at linebacker? Yeah, I think that when you look at uh, like Jonathan Sutherland, he's kind of like the perfect like Sam linebacker, if Brent Pry was coming back, that, yeah. that he would make perfect sense to go there. And then maybe, I don't know, Kobe King or Jamari Budden in the middle at the mic, right. Curtis Jacobs yeah. at the will. But we don't know yet what the the Manny Diaz uh, kind of classifications um, are, are going to be there. So that will be an interesting storyline for spring and, and into the summer um, that I think that we'll have to kind of just just wait and see. But I think the defense when it comes to young guys is just really interesting because there's so many guys in that redshirt sophomore, redshirt junior, kind of third, fourth, couple second year guys that you need to see take the step forward. I also think Zariah Fisher is an interesting one based on how he's bounced around positions already. Is he going to have the chance to step forward to dig that 
take that big step forward, compete with Adisa Isaac, Smith Vilbert for playing time. What does that kind of exactly look like? I think that that'll be kind of a, an interesting thing to, to keep an eye on as we go forward. Our former colleague, uh, Greg Pickle, and I, we did a most interesting players and coaches, I think, either going into, the, into spring or coming out of spring. Last year, I think we had Adisa Isaac, because we didn't know about Ebiketti. We had him high up, but we had Adisa Isaac really high on our list because they lost, they lost Owe, they lost you know, Shaka Tony. We heard so much about Isaac and, you know, you know, you know, we're at, we're at that media day com- news conference and James is like, or I don't know if it was media day or right after that. He's like, yeah, he's probably not going to play this year. He's got an injury. He's right there at the top of my list again this year, because if, if, if they don't get a big year from him or a meaningful year from him, you know, and the transfer portal doesn't produce any, anything at the end position, they are going to be really, really, really thin at a position that is huge value on the, at the defensive side. So uh, I'm not trying to put pressure on Adisa Isaac. I just know what they thought of him in that 2019 recruiting class with Brandon Smith and some of those other guys. He was right up there with those guys. And I really hope he's healthy because we haven't seen, you know, him play to the level people thought he could play at yet. And it's not necessarily his fault, but boy, he is a he is a huge player to watch uh, this offseason, ho- assuming he's ready to go. Because, Daniel, you can't lose a player like Ebiketti and really a player like Jesse Lucetta. And then the year before, lose Owe and then Tony and expect there to be a lot of developed players at the position in the system. So it's not fair to Denis, Dennis Sutton. Did I do it right? Did I get it right? Deny. Deny. All right, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. So uh, phonetically, it's just gonna be D A N E Y E. That's how I'm gonna spell it for him because I'm like O for eight. But I mean, my point is to have him in August. Hey, you, we're gonna need a big. I mean, Etor Gross Matos couldn't do it in 2017. You know, Jason Oway couldn't do it. You know, right out of the gate either. It's really hard to get a true freshman playing at such a high level. So yeah, Adisa Isaac, I feel like we're doing it. We're going to be doing a blue white breakdown podcast just on him once we get closer to spring, but what it is fascinating to watch this defense try and come together under a new defensive coordinator. Cause you just don't know what his ideas are compared to Brent price. Cause Brent Pry, you know, he was really good at moving players around Daniel and he was really good, but you kind of knew what you're going to get from Brent Pry. I think there was not a lot of, tricks up the sleeves from Brent. So I I don't know what Manny's about. I'm excited to see that, but I think I'm more excited to watch the defense than the offense just because of that. Yeah, definitely. I think that the defense kind of has more of the, the unknowns. It's kind of interesting given that the offense needs to replace three starters on the offensive line. Um, But I do think that the defense, it's kind of, there's more kind of faces that we know there. Like we've seen all these guys uh, on the field and get meaningful playing time, like Zariah Fisher, like Smith Vilbert, and in certain cases produce, um, but they're expected to take a big step forward. And I think that Dennis Sutton coming in and being able to produce as a freshman is interesting. That's kind of a, in a, at another position group, it's like, there's been a lot of questions about the offensive line. Like, can any of these freshmen come in and contribute? And the answer is usually, well, probably not. 
Um, so you need to look at the, and it's kind of similar on the defensive side of the ball in the trenches. You want to look at the the redshirt freshmen, the redshirt sophomores. Those are the guys that have had their chance to to adjust their bodies, to develop a little bit. And I think that's where you need to look for to, to see guys make the leap. So that's someone like Zariah Fisher, that's someone like Smith Vilbert and the the true freshmen who didn't play last year, Devon, Devon Townley and Rodney McGraw. It'll be interesting to see where, where they are in their development. Cause I think they were both kind of uh, on the kind of project trajectory in terms of what they needed to do when they got here. Those are some quality defensive end comments, especially Daniel's comments on deny Dennis Sutton. So I had to close. I had to close getting it right now that I figured out phonetically how I'm going to remember his name. I'm never going to, I'm never going to mess it up again. I love what I did there. Daniel, thanks for your time today on the blue white breakdown podcast. Is your next event going to be basketball? Is there a, is there a recruiting thing next on your agenda? I'm going to, I, I'm guessing after the volleyball hire that that's probably a little bit on your back burner. So now you can just focus on nine other things. <laughs> yeah. We got Wednesday. So men's basketball is at Indiana tonight. I'll be Ooh. tuned into that. And on Monday, Iowa comes to the Bryce Jordan center. Um, and those two teams played in pretty interesting game last Saturday. So it's, uh, it's basketball season. There's, I mean, Penn State's three and five. The Big Ten is kind of, there's that big middle class. So they could make a move if they can string together a couple wins. Sounds good. That's it for this edition of the Blue White Breakdown Podcast. Daniel, stay warm up there, stay busy, and uh, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Bob. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.